This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promoting for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. If you're struggling to lose weight, you've probably heard about weight loss medications like Wigovi or ZepBound. And you might be wondering if they're right for you. Meet Plush Care, a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. If you qualify, they can safely prescribe you medication from the comfort of your own home. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hello everyone and welcome back to our review of the season so far. This is part two, so if you haven't already... Go back and take in part one, which was released last Friday. In this second and final part, we round off the conversation on the sudden news of Tony Scholes' January departure and also get into the season so far for the Potters and how the results and performances so far might help to shape the rest of the campaign. Now, don't worry if you... Don't forget, if you want to get in touch with us, we are on Twitter at, at EveryStepAlong. And there is also the opportunity to send us a voice note via the Anchor app. And you can also send us a message if you listen via Spotify. Enjoy the pod. Yeah, and I think the, you know, Tony Scholes has got his knockers. Quite a lot of them are quite vocal. But I just wonder how many of them people remember the, the two people who went before him. In like, you know, Jonathan Fuller and Jez Moxie especially. You know, it, we've seen there's been some really, you know, poor appointments in that role previously. And obviously, Terry's had it for a long time, and you hope that the person who comes in, I I mean, we've got, I mean, Mike sent another message here. He says, if people want to bash Tony for making bad decisions, surely you have to credit him for appoint, appointing Alex Aldridge. And people have been raving about him since he came in. Mm. Um, I think that's fair enough. Yeah, that that to me is showing learning from his mistakes, because he sort of replaced Mark Cartwright, and it's a very different. Seems to be a very different way of doing things, and obviously Alex Aldridge seems to be getting a lot more results um, since he's come into the club. Mm. And it's a it's a it's a preview of our modernisation to some extent. He does seem to be more. Uh, contemporary in the sense that the like this is what a lot of clubs who are pushing to be more modern are going for people like him and it it's it's working he's he's streetwise um a counter argument to that would be it probably took too long for us to get someone like that in to be honest um did we have to wait for a manager's stabilization perhaps maybe um I think the thing, uh, and and again, I I keep I keep coming up with these takeaways from Skulls' time on the spot because I, I 
I haven't really processed this yet, but I think what what the biggest thing I'll 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 take away from this is that every decision that, that the club seems to have made over the last you, you know, you're getting on for twenty years now, fifteen, twenty years, um, has been blown well out of proportion. You know, you think that the good decisions made about fifteen years ago got us promoted, uh, survived Europe, Wembley the lot Stoke Alona and everything and then every bad decision led to you know this club nearly ended up like Sunderland oh now to be honest with you um not many clubs have been through that in the last 10-15 years yeah if, if nothing else his time in charge has been eventful <laughs> <laughs> if nothing else yeah we can't say it's been dull he's got a lot to write on his CV hasn't he <laughs> um so yeah I mean if so Obviously, if, just summarising that, what would you, what would you be looking for to bring somebody in? I'd want Tony Scholes' son, who's been to university and and has like lived in Camden and is a little bit, you know, a little bit millennial. Um, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. I I I want I want someone to come in with a fresh outlook, but a but a but a sensible outlook as well. I don't want to be. I don't want us to turn us into a really stupid club, particularly one o- overnight where where we're trying to change the entire thing. Look what happened when Nathan Jones tried to change the whole bloody football club. It ended up in tatters, didn't it? Um, I I want Stoke to change. I want us to be modern, and I want us to be more modern, faster than we are doing now. But at the same time, we've seen that clubs are fragile. We've seen that this club is fragile. I want whoever comes in to be sensible, and I don't want the great progress we've made over the last year or two and i think off the pitch in the last 15 years because we we've, we've developed from completely as 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 a as a business and an organization in, in the last 15 years i want someone to to protect that identity too yeah and i mean i don't think it's got to be like you know whirlwind changes and st- to, to even make these things happen it's stuff like Recording your reserve games and making them available to mm-hmm. people to watch. But, yeah. You know, I think it's been said before. I mean, it's been said on your podcast that we've said it on here that there's there's plenty of people out there. There's plenty of Stoke City supporters out there who they could go to and would happily for free sit with a microphone and commentate on those. Exactly. Games. Exactly. And and all it takes is is just that little bit of initial effort. That's all it takes. And I think. Yeah, that's that's what I want for whoever comes into next. Just just to see the value in some of the little things that matters to some football supporters these days. We we might be talking in an echo chamber and actually no one cares about the under twenty threes games, but I don't think that's the truth. And I don't think that's the truth about the match day experience or wanting us to use the academy more or you know wanting us to use social media more and getting closer to the players or or having more innovative ways of getting kids and and families and friends into games right that there'll be somebody there with with good intentions and good ideas that's what i want yeah i mean we're not asking to be turned into like the professional version of hashtag united (laughs) no absolutely (laughs) not absolutely not just be a bit more open everything the, the club does seem to me to be very like you don't know very much that goes on do you 
behind the scenes or nothing. And it'd be nice just to get them, you know, the odd, you know, more interviews with the players or more where they, not where they sort of sat down and said, oh, yeah, what, what, how do you think you are? You played the weekend? No, no, just mm. general stuff. I understand what you mean. I don't, the day-to-day's job. I don't think, to some extent, some matters need to be kept private. I know we spoke about, of oh, course, I'd, I'd love to know what happened to see, you know, during our relegation <laughs> season. We'd love to see in a documentary about what went wrong. And, and to be <laughs> honest, part of me goes, actually, I don't think we need to see that. Nobody <laughs> needs to see that. You, you, you know, it won't act like... Like it's taking revenge on an ex-girlfriend. It, it, it won't help you. It won't heal you. But what I do want is us to feel closer to the club. Absolutely. And and, and honesty will, will get, or openness will go a, 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 a little bit further in that direction. Um, But yeah, just, just, just get us feeling a bit more connected. I, I do feel since, you know, possibly season four or five in the Premier League, there's been a separation somewhat between fans and club and it'd be nice for that to be that 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 gap to be narrowed again yeah and i mean i think i, I probably tweeted this week um on that basis there you say about that you know that narrowing that gap between the fans and i think the team is a big part of that into to narrow the field towards huge the these days especially and i think i put out that um gary rowett we thought gary rowett was giving it as a giving us a team to be proud of. Nathan Jones promised us a team to be proud of. Michael O'Neill came in and just got on with the job and gave us a team to be proud of. And mm. I think that, that now, will, the momentum of that will start bringing, closing that gap. But it needs then, to be celebrated. It, it really does. It needs to be celebrated. Yeah. Let's hope they do that. And I think, but I think also, like you're saying there, though, that gap can only go so, so small without the club doing little things there just to fill in them last few holes. Absolutely. And they'll see the benefit if they do. 100%. Yeah, definitely. And the thing is, that they're, all, they're only holding themselves back because other clubs will be doing it and other clubs will be doing more and more and everyone else is going to. Like we said there, we were the innovators for stuff like City 7s that other clubs have gone, you know, that's fantastic. We'll do that. Why can't we still, why can't we now Look at it, and you know, look what's where's the world going. A lot of this is techno, you know, technology and stuff like that, and social media and things like that. And why not? Why can't we be the innovators again around that? Mm. My rant over. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, we've gone off tangent on this podcast. We have. Um, I think we best move on to the last uh, thing that we were going to discuss today, which is just. A- a little bit of a review for the year so far. Um, but before we do get onto that, I've just sort of recapped the couple of polls that we've put out. So now I've already discussed the uh, the Tony Skulls one. Um, so we did put uh, Man of the Match poll for Luton. Uh, and as I mentioned, Romain Sawyer did come out first on that. He got 42% of the vote. Jordan Thompson was second with 31%. Joe Bursic in third with 16%, and then 11% voted other, which, judging from the comments, was for Danny Bart. Um, so, as I've already stated, that leaves the top three as Harry Souter, Josh Tymon, and now Romain Sawyer's fighting his way up into the top three uh, for the season so far. So, that's heating up nicely. Remains on a bit of a charge there. 
Um, so yeah, the other poll we did, which was only part today, but it was uh, based on your preseason predictions. Are Stoke where you thought they would be? As expected, exceeding expectations or below expectations. So before I give you the results of that, Ben, which of them three? Quit in one in here real quickly. Which one would you have gone for? Uh, exceeded, I would say. I, I, is there a, is there a category higher than slightly exceeded? <laughs> Moderately well, it, exceeded. Well, five percent said it was below their expectations. Oh my god! <laughs> Who are you people, man? Like, what did you expect? Forty-five <laughs> percent said it was as they expected, and fifty percent said it's exceeded. So it's pretty neck and neck as to where. So. Where you're sitting in between the two, that's about right, I think. Into there's as many people who are we're expecting us to be where we are, as to um, exceed the expectations. As for the five percent who are below expectations, like I said, like you've just said, Dad, I don't know what you're expecting. The thing is, I think there's a difference between hopes and expectations. We all hope that Stoke reach the top two. I think the club reach hope that we've reached the top two and I don't think they made any secret about that they really want to get promoted you know that's their ambition and absolutely it should be we'd we'd crucify them if it wasn't but at the same time there's an expectation and you know Fulham for goodness sake have spent more than the rest of the league combined on new signings this season we can't compete with that level of, of, of investment in the squad like, come on! Like, there's there's a level of expectation. I expect us, as a minimum, to be top half. Any less than that is a is a it is it, a really bad season. That expectation has changed. Now we've had such a good start. I think if we don't at least challenge for the playoffs, that the, the that's a very poor season. Hell, if we get to Christmas and we're still in the playoffs, maybe playoffs. Any less than that is a disappointment. But from the start of the season, if you expected us to be in the top two, what what have you been watching for the last three seasons? Yeah, yeah because what makes me laugh is at the end of last season, there were some people then calling for Michael O'Neill's head because they said it was so turgid and boring and negative. I mean, it was, wasn't it, in fairness? Yeah. But was yeah. it his fault? I would I think his so. hands were tied, I think, with the, yeah. the situation he was in. So are those people... Those people then were then expecting us to be top two because they're the same people who are now calling for his head because we lost a few games and we're in. It doesn't make any sense to me. Excellent. <laughs> I, I don't mean to offend you, the 5%, if you're listening. Mm. I do apologise. But I, I'd just love to know where you... I'd I, I genuinely love to know what, what, what you expected from Stoke as a minimum this season if you, if you thought that this isn't enough. Yeah, I mean, we this is an open this is an open podcast. We've always said, you know, we, we, there's the ability to send us voice notes. We will happily play a few of those out and discuss around what people say if they want to, you know, give sort of elaborate on on that you know that that choice there in that poll or you know where what they were actually expecting. By all means, um, because it sort of it does confuse me sadly. <laughs> on the base of it without any sort of meat on the bones i'm struggling so moving on from that we started the season well we've had a blip we've started coming back you know let's let's go back to the very beginning that three two game against reading 
that was a great way to start the season there, wasn't it? I mean, we're not going to go through game by game, but... Oh, you know, God, I haven't got the time. <laughs> no. But, but to actually... It's like a five, to come out on the right side of a five-goal thriller on the first day of the season is very unstoke-like. <laughs> it, it was heaven. It, it really was. After, after not being in football grounds for nearly 18 months and to, and to win a game in the way we did, playing the way we did, you know, I like I got I got I just said Palace was a bit harsh. People were surprised when I said that I thought we played really well in that first game. But you look back now and you look over the performances for the majority of the season, and that Reading performance wasn't too dissimilar to what we're playing now. People are saying we're playing good stuff. I think that was a genuinely really considering that was our first game with pretty much a brand new defence. Um, I can't remember what the midfield and attack was like, but that will have had a lot of changes too. I'd have thought, you know, this this team's going to need time to gel. They're going to be all over the place, not going to know where players are. And yet we looked like a proper well-drilled unit that game. Improvements to be made, sure, but that's 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 fair enough. Um, it, it was honestly just a perfect day. It was fantastic. Um, what a way to come back. And it. I think it really did set us up for what we've seen this season. You wonder whether we'd have lost, honestly, whether the momentum would have took us in a different direction. Yeah, and I mean, incidentally, Morgan Fox played that day on the left-hand side of the three, and huh. Harry Souter wasn't available. And I do I do wonder whether Morgan Fox would actually improve the defence now that we're talking, and that he's a natural left-sided player. Who'd be comfortable on the ball, comfortable being dragged out wide, which I think is important for those right and left sided centre halves if they have to go out to the wing to cover and, and you know to stand somebody up. I do. Um, I just think he, especially when we want to be a little bit more defensive, would be a, a decent option to have available anyway, whether he plays, but it'd be a decent option. Mm. Well, yeah. I think we've said that about squad rotation already. That we can slate players because we know we've got but we we know we've got good players waiting in the wings. Perhaps me in my head, I felt a little bit uh, less likely to criticise players like Leo Ostergaard and Bed Wilmot because I think we're weakest in in that area. Not not just in numbers, but in terms of you know Bart's proved his worth in the last couple of games for sure and I think he's won every game he's played in this season for us I mean fair play to him um, yeah six out of six that's it but then Chester less so right and <laughs> I and and if Morgan Fox has been injured then perhaps I've been like well you know no I think Ben Wilmot is better on the right of the three than the left of the three but hell I'd rather have Ben Wilmot on the left of the three than than, than James Chester on the left of the three and I'd rather have Leo Ostergaard in the team than than, than somebody else so yes yeah. I think it'll be great to have Fox back as as an option for sure and then I think we can afford to be a little bit more critical and and those players who who are getting shoehorned into the team every week because they're the options we have um, will be more likely to step up too yeah and I think um like I say, looking at these fixtures, I mean, we had a great, we did have a great start as well. I mean, like I say, we, we beat Reading at home. Obviously, we beat Fleetwood in the cup. 
Um, but the, the big man, Harry Suter, made his first appearance of the season. He was back for that. And then, obviously, he was just straight inside from then on. Once we had a 0-0 draw at Birmingham. And then we had a nice 3-1 win at Swansea. Hmm. The, the Sam Clucas derby. If, if, if playing Luton with the Nathan Jones derby, this is definitely seems to be the Sam Clucas derby. <laughs> I, I, it, to be honest, I don't get the reference. Did is it is it because they they said he was money bags for leaving Swansea when 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 we both got relegated and he left for us or some or something like that? I think it must be like yeah, there's think... some real bad blood between them, and I, I'm just so surprised. And he, and, he, and he reacts to it as well. Like, he takes it really quite personally, clearly, from his celebrations in the last couple of seasons. It just, it, it, it always takes me by surprise. Like, we've, we've had players play against us before, ex-players and, and, and vice versa. But Klukas is possibly, you know, I've not seen many Stoke players or, or opposing players with such bad blood against the opposition before. Well, he was only sat. He only played for them for one season. It was the season they got relegated. I think huh. they paid. I think they paid Hull about sixty million pound for him. Oh, and then we got him for about six, six, seven. Mm. So, yeah, looking at this, he played twenty nine league games, three goals, one assist. Um, oh man, yeah, maybe the. Uh, it could be a case of he is their version of. Um, well, take your pick, Oscar, because he's their Kevin Vibber. Maybe, maybe, maybe. But then look how he's doing for us. It's not as if Kevin Wimmer's in the in the championship playoffs, is he? He's 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 somewhere in Belgium sweating it out somewhere, I guess. Like, you know, I'm very he's much not a bad player. Um, he he might not have been great for them, and they associate him with the relegation season. But for for him to react in the way that he has done as well, for you know, a lot of players would just be happy that they're beating them, let alone. Showing your name on on the back of your shirt, or 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 taking your shirt off and doing the messy celebration, it, it, it's just a really <laughs> weird situation. Fair fair play to him, fans love it, and I like it as well. But it's just 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 refreshing, is it? <laughs> Even inspired tattoos. <laughs> indeed, it indeed it has, indeed it has. Did he pay for that, Clucas, or am I making that up? I think they had a whip round, didn't they? I think I seem to think Jacob Brown had a bit of they may have paid towards it from what was I remember. Was that what it was? Yeah. Uh, I'm not surprised. I think maybe I think the players had you know, all sort of dipped in a bit together because they almost just had a good laugh at what I was doing. Oh, I mean fair play. I, I it 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 just adds to the narrative of the season, doesn't it? You know, when we do these things, when we look back at the season, it, it'll be one of those things where you go Oh my god! Yeah, this happened as well. It's just so much has happened already, and, and you know we've not finished November yet. I, 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 as much as I enjoyed that celebration, I, I did enjoy the one previously even more when he ran like the length yes. of the pitch just yes. to turn around and showing the back of his shirt, and then giving the old uh, the old sort of like money symbol onto the old money with his hands. Um, mm. Yeah, that was. <laughs> But yeah, oh, there's definitely some bad blood there. But um, I mean, even other than that goal, I think that was that was one of our highlights this season. Wanted that night, it was a great, great win away at Swansea. Um, some mm. play, a place we've had indifferent results at, but I think we just we just went there and played them off the park, didn't we? We were fantastic. 
Yeah, but I, to be honest, my I I didn't really keep tabs on that game, but everything I've heard was was just we were phenomenal, you know. And there's there's only a, a handful of games this season where we've been, you know, I, I think performances have been very good on the whole, but there's only a couple of games where we've been truly outstanding. Um, I'd say West Brom is possibly the other, but Swansea, yeah, yeah it sounds like we we absolutely battered them and that you know we might have played them at a good time because they're showing good promise now but uh yeah good for us god honest yeah i mean we, we said that you know how well we played that i mean we played that in the forest a few days later didn't we and we won one nil and i don't mm. think that wasn't a particularly great team performance because i think they sort of sat in a bit deeper didn't they and were like well yeah i think chris Hutton's job was sort of on the line at the time wasn't it and it was yeah and it too well, one of the best goals I've ever seen Stokes score <laughs> to sort of break him down. That Josh Diamond goal was fantastic. Sexy Stoke. I mean, yeah. if if <laughs> if nothing else this season, I think it was, I think it was the second tier that coined it. Um, yeah, we we, which is weird because I I think we have been known by certain teams to to have been that rough, time wasting shit house if you don't mind me saying it team. Yeah. <laughs> um it's 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 odd isn't it how i think i said this at, um in the week game on game we are learning uh, to find the balance between the two because i think we've been guilty of both this season we've been guilty of both you know just panicking and lumping it particularly if we were losing in games we've also been guilty of just been you know lazily passing it around the back not not getting anywhere or getting ourselves into trouble through trying to pass out. And I think we are finding that balance. And I think that will start, that will stand us in good stead going forward too. Yeah. I think we've, we've shown naivety at times in mm. the, and a failure to spot momentum. I mean, and there's ways you can stop momentum, the dark art, so to speak, aren't they? And I think mm. we've, I think after that Cardiff game, which we'll probably get onto in a minute, the it was obvious that that momentum just came and blew them away, and it was just like, what happened then? And then you see that the following two games, we've won them both one nil, and we picked up ten yellow cards. <laughs> <laughs> and I made the point: if you went back and watched ten yellow cards, I I can pretty much from what I remember, near enough every one of them was either for a tactical foul where the yeah. team are on the opposition on the break and it's just grab the shirt, trip the legs, just stop the play and that you could book in one taking one for the team as you as you would. Or it's for stuff like time wasting. Mm. And the fact we've picked up ten yellow cards in two games, I said that shows that these players don't know how to do that. But they're trying. Mm. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Yes, they don't yes, know how yes, to I do get it. that. They can't they do it like a West Brom or anything anyway, right? Yeah, they need to learn. They need to learn where they can push the boundary to without overstepping the line. But again, and, this, this and team is learning. Yeah, they, they will learn. Because I'm sure now, two, they've had two weeks, Mark and Liverpool sitting down and go, right, okay, you, Joe, you got booted there quite early on for time-wasting. What do you think about, you know, what have you learned from that? And I think he'll and he'll go through, and I reckon the players they'll they are they're such a young side. We've said it, you know, 
we say it two or three times already on this pod, they're a young side. And that side of the game is something you, they don't teach you when you're under 12s, under 13s, under 15s, under 16s, do these, you're coming through. That's the kind of stuff you learn on the job mm-hmm. as a professional. You, know, you don't see training drills for youth football, do you, where they, where they say, Joe, just sit down two or three minutes here and take the sting out of the game like you did at uh, Luton on Saturday. You know, they, they just hit the bar and they did. He had got a bit of momentum and he decided his groin was playing up and he needed a bit of treatment. And obviously mm-hmm. he was. There's no doubt about it that he needed that bit of treatment there. Don't be wrong. I hate it when teams do it to us. I of really course. do. And I For wish heaven. it wasn't in the sport, but yeah. it is. And we, uh, if you can't beat them, join them, I guess, to some extent. What was your favourite yellow card of the last week? Oh, now you're asking. Um... Stephen Fletcher's was probably the luckiest. <laughs> <laughs> he just kicked out. Could have quite easily been a red card. That was a horrendous challenge. Um mine might be. Was it Remain Sawyers who grabbed someone round the neck yes, and pulled him back? That, that was, was awful one. as well. Oh dear. I was gonna say about Fletcher. He happened right in front of us, and I was giving the guy a stick. I was like, get up. He's throwing himself on the floor. And then the guy next to me and Mike just went, he's lucky he didn't get sent. If the referee's seen this, he's getting sent off. And I was like, what? But I was like, the ref, ref, that was the best thing he did all night for us, because he booked him. So we couldn't Mm. have any retrospective action taken, because he already (laughs) the ref had dealt with it. Excellent. So it was the best thing he did all night. Well, yeah, I think, uh, like we say, you were a young side and they will learn that side of the game, won't they? Going back to where we did through the season, I mean, we went to Fulham and lost 3-0, didn't we, before the first international break? And that was the first time where I think people, there was a lot of momentum going into that game. We were unbeaten. We'd won all but the Birmingham game. People were thinking, you know, how good is this side? And it was the first big test where we could go up against someone to see where we were at. And I think it just checked a lot of people's confidence that game, didn't it? And checked the um, expectations, so to speak. Mm, I, West Brom and Bournemouth were two very, very different games for very, very different reasons, right? One got us a bit carried away. The other really was a dampener, right? I think both have been incredibly valuable. So these young players, especially, um, and that's why I'm I've I've got so much promise with this Stoke team because we've talked about loads already. This team, as far as I'm as as far as I can see, it will only get better. It really will. Um, I'm excited to see what comes following this next international break. Hopefully, we don't start it the same way that we did this one. Um, but yeah, we're, we're players coming back. Tyrese is surely going to be starting game soon. Nick Powell's going to be back around Christmas time. Um, you know what? Even even someone like Tom Edwards coming off off loan might 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 be really handy for us. You you just never know. There's more to come from the Stoke team. And if there's one takeaway that that that'll take from the season as a whole, progress is finally being made and it's showing. Yeah, definitely. And I mean, 
mean, looking at um, like I say, just coming back and having those four defeats and the amount of times like we were in front and then pegged back. That you know, we did this happened at Sheffield United, happened at Millwall. I mean, we were out the game at Brentford and we we did the opposite, we tried to come back into it, but it's just funny, isn't it? How if Sheffield United had gone into a 2 0 lead and we'd scored late on and then you know lost 2 1, it wouldn't have felt as bad as winning and then losing. I think to have two of them games so close together, I think that sort of hurt the fans, didn't it? Going, you know, hurt the sort of you know how, how you feel towards because they you throw it, you, you, you're not just getting beaten, you're throwing it away, aren't you? In the eyes of this sort of from the outside. Oh, I. Absolutely, and but but again, I think sometimes you need that bit of pain to 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 make yourself sustainable for the long term for the season, right? Like we we we've said against Blackpool and Luton, we've learned from that. We've learned to be a bit more ruthless, a bit more a bit more selfish in our play. You know, take games by literally the scruff of the neck sometimes, <laughs> um, and and you wonder whether you know. If we'd lost those three or four games in February, March, that 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 could have derailed any push. And but I think it's come at a good time where you know the table's very tight. Um, no one's really got anywhere set. You know the the league is still wide open, and we've learned this now. Some teams won't have learned this yet in this league still. Um, yeah, it, it, like, like, yes, it was a negative at the time. It was very upsetting, and 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 a lot of people lashed out at Stoke. But you know what? I I take it as a positive now. Yeah, and to put it into context, those four defeats were against Brentford, Bournemouth, Sheffield United, and away at Millwall, a place that we very rarely get a good result. Mm-hmm. It wasn't as if we lost four games that we should be winning nine out of ten times and I think that's just this this league you'll win some games you'll lose some games say I try to say every week just to just to remind people yeah you you, you know it's not I think being in being in the Premier League for so long and having ten years there and seeing what it takes to win that division I think people are still getting used to being in the championship where Literally, if you win a couple of games, that's massive, and you can make you can make so much um, ground up on teams because very rarely do teams go on game you know, runs of three or four wins. But having said that, momentum is also a massive thing in this division, and that can momentum, which brings confidence, that can be the difference between winning and losing a game because the teams are so evenly matched on a skill level. Mm-hmm. And and you know what. The last thing I'll I'll say about what what I've seen this season and and what I expect going forward as well is that I I'm not a big stats guy really but one thing I I I do look at certainly recent times is a uh, info goals stats I don't know if you look at them but they 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 do the whole expected goals prediction thing and and yeah. and it's 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 not so good on a game by game basis like like if you win a game on xg it means absolutely nothing but it but the but the underlying data over the course of a season just just shows how good you've been in numbers right um and 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 info gold do an expected table based on 
what you've been like stats wise and performance wise. Um, and they also do a forecasted table. So based on your 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 performance and underlying data this season, where where do they predict you'll finish? Obviously, it could be miles off, right? Absolutely miles off. So based on our performances and underlying data so far, InfoGold say we, we should be around sixth. That's what they're saying. We should be in sixth place. Um, we are actually in fifth place. And InfoGold predict that we will finish in fourth place alongside Fulham, Bournemouth and West Brom above us. Um, that that's a huge win that's that's fantastic you know not not only are we actually in a good place in the table our our underlying data and our performances suggest that we deserve to be there too do we deserve to be top of the table no do we deserve to be bottom half absolutely not there's teams like i'm looking at the same graph and you've got blackpool who are mid table at the moment i want to say um uh, yeah, they are. Uh, yeah, tenth. they are expected, based on their performances, to have been around the relegation zone pretty much, and and InfoGol therefore forecast that they are going to be around the relegation zone too, um, and then there's other teams like 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 Luton who are expected to have been, you know, because their performances have been very good, they expect them to be fourth right now they're not they are around the same place as blackpool believe it or not and they mm. expect luton as a result to be you know making a playoff push there thereabouts what i'm trying to say is that, that there aren't many teams in this league as you look at the data where not only are we actually in a good place based on our results we're also backing that up and that's why there's promise here and, and there's promise to go forward for the rest of season two yeah, we haven't fluked our way to fifth in the league. We've played our way to fifth in the league. Yeah. There's a, there's a clear divide in there. Bournemouth, I think Bournemouth and Fulham, I think those two. I mean, Alexandra Mitrovic has come out this past week. He's on £100,000 a week. Most expensive championship, you know, most well-paid championship player ever. Yeah, that's the kind of levels that teams in this division who've just come down. And yeah, not so long ago it was us. But that's what we're up against. and. I think Bournemouth and Fulham, I can't see anybody challenging those two now. I think you'll, those two will go away now and challenge for the title between them and then deal with the automatic promotion. I think West Brom will be comfortably in the playoffs. I feel that we will make the playoffs, but we'll definitely be challenging for them in my eyes. I think we'll make them. And then you've got two spaces from about eight, nine, ten clubs. We'll be looking mm. to get them last two places. But the fact that we're even in that conversation is amazing considering where we were 18 months ago, two years ago. How hard can it be? What can go wrong? It's the progress we've made to even be thinking at this stage of the season about the playoffs. Yeah, because we I remember that. I remember the first game after we got relegated, we played Leeds, didn't we? And the team was put out, and I saw the team on Twitter, and all the comments, and they weren't from state fans, they were from all fans of all different clubs underneath was, give them the trophy now. Give them the trophy now. What a team for the championship. That's ridiculous championship side. And we ended up batting 3-1. 
we seem to draw every week. <laughs> Sat the manager just after Christmas. And brought in Nathan Jones, who then continued to draw every week. <laughs> did we have the did we break the world record that season for most draws? Oh well, no, I think then, Millwall were on for it this season actually. Yeah, and then the next well, it's funny that <laughs> what's what's the connection there? Mm. And then obviously the following season we ended up with what was it one win after eleven games or something, and we were yeah we were on looking at staring down the barrel of like you say Sunderland and League One, so to now two years down the line be where we are is just. You know, even but even if we felt away and finished eighth or ninth, we know that this side and this team is will be a lot better going into next season than it was this, and that's progress. And it's exciting, it's sort of exciting, especially with the young side as well. They're developing. You don't know how good these players are going to get. You don't know if they've leveled off at twenty two, twenty three, or are they going to look at Josh Timing? Nobody would have had Josh Timing in the team, would they? No. Just, just, just whatever happens for the next few weeks, months, even next couple just of years, enjoy just enjoy it. It's exactly you took the words out of my mouth. Just Sorry. enjoy <laughs> what's happening at the moment. We've had some years of crap, so this is pretty good in comparison. Just enjoy yourselves, the Stoke fans. Change is on the way, seemingly, with a new CEO as well. Um, yeah. Some people will be delighted with that, some people will be a bit anxious about it, but whatever happens. Just enjoy yourselves. And I think that is a perfect way to end the pod. Uh, Mike will hopefully be back next week. Thank you so much, Ben, for filling in yet again, making a second appearance on our pod. You're welcome. Um, Thank you for having me. Um, yeah, we'll have to see if you need another super sub in the future. Maybe maybe there'll be other super subs. I'm assuming that there'll be other people desperate for a chance to have a go on the podcast as well. I'm happy to step in, but... Uh, um, I'm sure you won't be opposed to other people having a go, right? No, we, we've always said, you know, if anybody wants to, you know, any, do anything from sending us a, a Twitter message you want reading out, or sending us a voice note that we can play, or as much as coming on and recording a pod with me and my, get in touch. You know, we, we're open. Like I say, we're we're fully open. We we like you know, the more interaction we have with with people, the better. Well said. So, yeah. Yes, so let's wrap us up. We'll see you next week where we'll preview our home game against Peterborough. The secret to visibly firmer, summer-ready skin is here. Osea's number one best-selling Andaria Algae Body Oil, clinically proven to instantly improve skin elasticity and transform dull, dry skin to silky, soft, and unbelievably glowing. Rich yet never greasy, Andaria Algae Body Oil is formulated with sustainably sourced seaweed to help replenish the skin's moisture barrier and seven nourishing active botanical oils for results you can see and feel all over. The best part? It's signature scent. A blend of freshly squeezed grapefruit, cypress, and mango mandarin transports you to sun-kissed summer days. This all-natural scent is unforgettable. Everything Osea makes is clean, vegan, cruelty-free, and climate-neutral certified, so you never have to choose between your values and your best skin. Get healthy, glowing skin for summer with clean, vegan skincare from Osea. Get 10% off your first order site-wide with code GLOW at oseamalibu.com. That's O-S-E-A Malibu.com code GLOW. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.